Hello and welcome to the Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. This is your regular update for all your tillage news and advice. The saying goes that a wet and windy May fills the barn with corn and hay. Hopefully the old saying is true, but growers still have to get crops in a healthy state from now all the way up to harvest. Wet weather is also disease weather, and this couldn't be more true for septoria in wheat this year. The more showers there are, the more chances septoria has to spread up the crop canopy and into new growth. However, the cold weather has slowed growth recently and also the potential for the development of septoria. I'm delighted today to be joined by Dr. Stephen Kildea, a researcher in Chagas Oak Park, who will be able to give us a steer on the septoria development, and also Ivan Whitten, a tillage advisor in Kildare, to give us an insight into wheat crops in his region. Ivan, can I first come to you? You predominantly work in North Kildare. Could you give us an idea of the prevalence of wheat in your area, the types of varieties farmers sow, and maybe the typical yields your clients achieve year on year? I'm 25 years working up in North Kildare. Predominantly, the soil type up there, Michael, will be heavy in nature, so there will be a considerable acreage normally um, sown to winter wheat. And the autumn of 2020 was kind kind enough to, to facilitate that, so there's Probably 60% of the area has been cropped to winter wheat um, way above um, the previous year of 2019. The types of varieties that we would be looking at, um, Costello, Conross, um, Graham would be the mainstays. We'd still have a number of farmers growing uh, JB Diego, a few people looking at Torp. Um, and then we'd have a, a couple of growers looking at some of the newer varieties like Astronomer, Exotase and Saki. So that's where we are with varieties for 2021, Michael. Give or take uh, yields then, Ivan, what sort of yields are year-on-year year guys coming up with? Well, our first wheats up in Kildare, um, I suppose, look, we'll be aiming for around 11 tonne per hectare. Um, I suppose continuous wheats one year again, the other would vary between 9, nine to 10 and a quarter tonne per hectare. Um, it depends on the year. Um, it depends on the level of disease as well. Sure. The last three years, in terms of septoria levels in, and yield, has been um, look. The weather has been against us in terms of yield. Our five-year averages have suffered, particularly when you're starting to do up fertilizer plans and looking at the previous three years for from, for to get bonus nitrogen um, for winter wheat. You see that coming through. So hopefully, this harvest we will have a good winter wheat. Uh, yield okay. that's there at the moment looks very very promising i was going to say and and in terms of crops that are out there at the moment how how are they looking and is there any great agronomic problems evident in the field at the moment well our sowing dates would vary like uh some of my clients on the larger acreages would have started sowing winter wheat from about the 25th of september then moved into two and six row barley and then back into back into wheat for a while before switching over to winter oats and then depending on the season like the um, there was a nice bit of wheat put in between the 20th 20, 20 of October into the, the early stages of November as well. So all in all, winter wheat, um, while it came through the winter slowly, um, it looks very, very promising now, to be honest with you. Yeah. There's no major hiccups out there at the moment. It's always, it's always great when you have a crop from ditch to ditch. It's always always pretty good at uh, this time of the year. Stephen, uh, yeah. could, could I come back to you um, just for a second? Uh, I just want to... In terms of disease, um, there was certainly some early disease activity in, in, in wheats, especially, I suppose, towards uh, Ivan's area and maybe even a little bit further north. Maybe you might give us an idea about how those strategies worked in terms of disease control so far. 
Yes, Michael. Um, I suppose when you're talking about the diseases that would have been around at that, uh, maybe about a month ago, maybe a month and a half ago, yellow rust was on the mind and, and we were talking a lot about yellow rust. Um, and just as, as Ivan sort of described, some of those varieties uh, like your JB Diego, your Bennington, your Torp, there was quite a bit of yellow rust knocking around there. Um, and that was probably coming through from that relatively cool, dry sort of spring that we, we had in February and March. Um, and I suppose there would have been a, a, a quite a few sort of pre-stem extension applications would have been put on on those. You're talking uh, an azole and maybe a strobularine. And I think in, in the whole, they have worked quite well. Uh, and a lot of scenarios, look, would have been followed up then with a leaf tree application with a rust active with it in it. And, and, and I suppose looking at the trials we have here in Oak Park, we've, uh, we've a couple of trials that would have yellow rust, would have had yellow rust in them. Um, and it has cleaned it up very well there. Now you can still see a bit of scarring on in, in uh, I suppose the lower base of the crop, but it's done quite a good job on those. Look, where where I suppose um, bad choice of, of chemistry might have been looked at, maybe not a, not a, a rust active out there, and maybe an application or a poor application. There is instances where you might have a small bit of yellow rust potentially at the base of the crop, but on the whole, the yellow rust I think has been taken care of. Um, back about a month and a half ago, septoria was starting to creep in again. Um, wasn't huge levels, I, I think, at that stage. But look, we've we've had a, a change in the weather pattern, and, and that I suppose is where we're looking at going forward. It's uh, septoria mainly. Okay, we'll probably get to that in a few minutes. Um, you mentioned, or Ivan, I just want to come to you. And Stephen mentioned a little bit about uh, the, the kind of cold spring that we've had so far, and it's certainly delayed um, uh, growth and possibly, uh, you know, it, it interrupted the normal timings that a farmer would have had applying the main fungicides to wheat. How accurately do you think for, for the farmers you were dealing with, um, how accurately did have they applied that main first fungicide to crops? Michael, I suppose, coming on from Stephen's comments there, like the cold April resulted in a lot of cold stress on crops um, from a point of view um, when you're dealing with yellow rust, there was uh, a lot of scarring in, in the varieties um, of Graham, for example, uh, Torp, um, with no pustules appearing. Um, Bennington did show pustules, but also that cold stress where there was um, on significant swings in temperatures at night time, there was a lot of actual um, scorching of crops there with CCC. Pre-May bank holiday weekend, the actual um, earlier sown wheat, they would have all received their standard um, T1 treatments sent around a Scara or a Dexar or maybe a Velagiera, um, depending on the variety and whether it was prone to yellow rust or septoria or a combination of the two. I suppose post the, the May bank holiday weekend, because that leaf tree in the mid-October sown crops was a bit slower to come through, we, we then switched tack because the weather forecast was looking very iffy. And we, a lot of farmers at that stage, then they would have went to some of the newer chemistry, looking at the likes of Revacel or the actual new Cortiva products sent around Inatrex. So look, um, people are sitting pretty, pretty good. Um, most people now know at this stage to be watching um, the emergence of that third last leaf and to be coating the actual, at least 80% of the leaf um, as it's emerging. So Ivan, just with that, would you say, and, and that leaf three time is the critical kind of one that leaf three is fully out, would you say that 80 or 90% of people got that right? Oh, I would, yeah, without a doubt. Like the majority of my clients, um, uh, the, the, for example, I suppose in, a sim in simple terms, the 
leaf tree um, the spraying of the leaf tree for the September sown crops would have been would have taken place five to seven days prior to that Maybank holiday weekend. And for the mid-October onward sowing dates, they were applied probably around the 5th to the 7th of May, there thereabouts, give or take a couple of days. Um, and people switch tactics in terms of product, um, depending on the forecast. And given the fact, like April was, April was good to, to, far, to finish farmers from a point of view of septoria because the, the septoria is our main disease. It's a wet weather disease and we had a very dry, cold April. So it um, kept the actual levels of lesions down, um, down in the canopy. And like to move that forward, Michael, like speaking with Angela Ryan there in Back West and like um, on the variety trials there within the department, like it's down to location, location, location. Um, like there's considerably more disease pressure down in uh, Moore Park, Hilton, than there is in Back West. And like if you're looking at the untreated plots um, there last week, like we would have four, definitely the majority of our four class leaves um, very clean in the untreated and probably 20 to 50 percent septoria in leaf five and leaf six starting to die away with the the actual um, immature tillers dying away, starting to senesce now at this stage as well. Stephen, I'm, uh, Ivan mentioned a bit about the cold weather and about the leaf emergence um, and how that might also affect disease. Maybe you might explain to us how the cold weather and the, 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 how leaves come out and how that affects the, the septorial life cycle, how that all kind of fits together. And should farmers be worried about um, septoria, if you like, catching up with our, with our leaf emergence? Okay, yeah, I suppose, look, septoria like ourselves is going to, it's going to be very much dependent on, on, on weather and on temperatures and, and rainfall. And I suppose one of the critical things will, of course, be the rainfall. And May, we've had, we've had quite a lot of rain, a lot of wet days. But the temperature, is, as Ivan mentioned, is also is also very important in that it will slow down everything, not only the crop growth, but it will also have an effect on the septoria. Now, it's not a switch sort of uh, where you have no growth or, or growth. It'll it'll basically have a continuum where it'll slow down as temperatures decrease. As the temperatures go up during the day, the, the growth of it will also go up. So it, it will have a, a sort of a case in that, look, as the leaves are emerging, the activity of the septoria will be a little bit lower. But the, the sort of the, the, the counter to that will be that there has been sufficient rainfall and the rainfall has not been, I suppose, um, a critical factor because there's been enough of that. There's been enough wet days. In fact, when you think about it, the temperature also will increase the amount of drying that will be occurring on the leaves and things like this. And this will affect the septoria development also in itself. Um, so the, the drier the leaves, the less sort of development of septoria, the less chance it has of infecting. And if it is, if the leaves are wet, then look, even though the temperatures are that little bit lower, your septoria will still also be able to take over and continue to develop. So look, we're probably looking, as Ivan mentioned, at, 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 cre- uh, at, at sort of clean leaves, uh, sort of two, three, four in, in some of the untreateds. Um, but I'd be quite confident that there's there's quite a bit of infection in there in terms of latent that we we cannot see just yet. Um, and as temperatures increase um, over the next couple of weeks, that will start to become evident. And that's where that leaf tree application is, is very important because you're creating that barrier in terms of as the crop is growing. Uh, we've put this sort of barrier in place where it's more difficult for the pathogen to move up through the crop. And as that crop is starting to extend, it's also sort of exacerbating or, or multiplying that barrier effect. So it's, it's very important. But what I would say is that, look, the, the one sort of factor that can often be critical is going to be that rainfall. And we've had an awful lot of it during May. 
So it would be a case that, as I've mentioned, we're moving from that cold sort of dry April that didn't favour Septoria into May that has absolutely favoured Septoria. So are we kind of gone then, Stephen, from um, a relatively low level of Septoria into now, if you like, alarmingly high levels, or are we at that kind of uh, alarm kind of rate as yet? So I, I, I don't think it would be the sort of the levels per se. I think maybe we should be looking at it from a risk aspect, because if you look in a crop and a lot of crops mightn't show very, very high visual amounts of septoria at this stage. And you say levels are potentially very low there. However, we do know that, look, how many spores, it only takes one spore to cause a lesion. And there's thousands upon thousands of spores within every lesion. So it's that risk aspect. And, and I would say that, look, as, as the, the period of rainfall continued over the last couple of weeks, the risk has increased. Now, that's where that leaf tree application become vital. And as Ivan sort of said, a lot of sort of uh, crops would have had that leaf tree application before the, the weather broke, which is a big positive. So it, it sort of reduces the risk to some extent, but I would be looking at it, I would be saying that risk considerably increased the longer that wet period went on. Okay. So Ivan, can I come back to you now just for a second? Um, so lots of your farmer clients out there that have winter, lots of winter wheat out there, and you mentioned other crops as well. Uh, the weather has been difficult over the last kind of three weeks. So lots of uh, jobs, I suppose, have are, are been stacking up, if you like. Um, so the flag leaf spray for, or fungicide spray for our winter wheat is coming up, I presume somewhere towards the middle or, or, or end of, of, of this week. Um, but all the other crops need, need some sort of prioritization as well. How do you advise your clients in terms of getting the priorities about which one to attack first? At this stage now, um, we definitely have to prioritize things where spring barley is in the um, pick, like we have to, we're looking at probably putting on a fungicide, a herbicide, plus or minus a wild oat spray to try and cut down on the actual amount of runs that you have to go through the crop. Primarily driven by the weather and the fact that the crop now is starting to eat in the rows. Top of that, I suppose, there will be some of the actual mid-October sown six and two-row winter barley have to be finished off in terms of their fungicides as well. Uh, so I suppose spring barley, winter barley will get priority ahead of winter wheat. And um, after winter wheat, then we probably move into uh, winter oats. Um, and if there are spring oats in there as well, that have to be looked at. Obviously, grape would have been taken care of from the point of view of sclerotinia before the weather broke. So like that's nearly put to bed now at this stage. So look, there's a lot to be done, Michael. And I suppose, I suppose farmers need to be very conscious of what they're putting into the tank and that those products are suitable for the crop that they're actually treating because the last thing you want to be doing is treating a, a spring or a winter oat crop with a wild oat spray, for example, and making that um, mistake while it's uncommon. I mean, you're in a panic. Accidents do happen. So you're saying then, going back to the winter wheat, then you're kind of saying that the flag leaves won't be fully emerged for a little little while yet, so there's no huge panic with winter wheat. So well, I suppose what I would be saying in a, in a nutshell would be the September sown crops, um, as we're doing this podcast, they would have their flag leaves were already done. They were done probably a week a week ago, um, in the week leading up to the end of May. The, the flag leaf in the majority of those crops are somewhere between 60 to 80 percent out. So um, we would be hoping that the weather would take up for the bank holiday weekend and we get a bit of sunshine because it's badly wanted. Um, but there, there are other crops to be sprayed ahead of it. Um, the majority of those mid-October sun crops 
um, as we approach the June Bank Holiday weekend, w- will be uh, probably three weeks sprayed. Um, and th- like, if you look back, that there were trees at the leaf tree timing, eighty um, percent fully fully out, maybe a hundred percent fully out. Leaf two then was fifty percent sprayed um, as well. So it's it's trying to build that barrier, as Stephen talked about, and trying to marry the T, the T one and the T two together now, as and combine the actual um, fungicide choices between the T1 and T2 and to also be um, conscious of, of, of resistance um, to the to, uh, to septoria and the fact that triazoles are dwindling and there's a, a good shift there in the actual SDHI chemistry as well. Stephen, um, just want to come back to you again for a second. Um, in terms of the actives that are out there at the moment, um, there are certainly some new ones uh, in the market at the moment and you talked about a much higher risk as regards septoria um, for this main flag leaf spray. Given that threat that's there, uh, are we now kind of narrowed into those new chemistries? And is that the, the those the types of chemistries that farmers should be using uh, with this final or with this flag leaf spray? Yeah, look, as the month of May has gone on, it has turned into a septoria type sort of scenario. And Ivan sort of gives a, a very good overview of the, the decisions farmers are going to have to make over the next, I suppose, 10 days. Look, there's barley to be sprayed and, and things like that. And in, in terms of wheat, I suppose it is to, to look at what has gone past in the last couple of weeks, um, but also to look into the future and to try to look into the future. And what we're trying to do, we're trying to protect that upper canopy from mainly, I suppose, at this stage, septoria or any other diseases that might be about. We're really talking about septoria. Um, and we have to think that, look, we're going to try to protect this canopy as, as long as possible to capture grain fill. Like the heads aren't out. We're not even thinking about that yet. But we need to start thinking about protecting the machinery that's going to fill those grains. So from the past, the risk has increased to septoria. So we're going to be looking at some level of curativity, definitely be required there. And then we're going to need that persistence to basically get us through to the point where, where we basically maximize grain fill. So if septoria is going to be the risk and we are in the curativity scenario, and we also need a lot of strong protection in that, look, there's going to be quite a bit of septoria probably knocking around the base that could potentially lead to more infections later on. We have to start looking at those newer chemistries. And we're talking about the Revisol and we're talking about the Inatrex sort of activity. And um, the azoles, the older azoles, we do know look what they are at. Uh, we've known for the last few years that their, their activity has dwindled quite a lot. The SDHIs look moderate resistance. The SDHIs is absolutely dominating the population. And this does impact their efficacy. Um, it has quite uh, an impact on their efficacy over the last number of years. So it is a case that to get that curativity and to get that persistence that we require against septoria, we are going to require actives that are include, say, Revisol or, or Inatrec. Um, but also, of course, we need to be aware of what we're doing Look, and managing resistance to the best in that sort of scenario. The first thing, of course, will be to include that multi-site and that's full pit now in this in this year. Uh, we'd be recommending full pit is included. And then also mix them with a different mode of action. So say with the Revisol, you are including something like a, a, an SDHI uh, within that. I know those those products are contain Fluxoproxod or Intrex. So that's it's important that they are they're used. And similarly, then with their Intrex that you're including nasols in that or a nasol in that. Um, to try and make sure that we protect these actives as long as possible. Okay, thanks, Stephen. Um, finally, Ivan, just want to come back to you for a second. You mentioned um, before that your farmer clients have various different varieties out there. Uh, do you think there will be a little bit of mixing and matching in terms of these actives uh, for the varieties that are there? 
it's going to be Michael I suppose there's no definitive answer to that question and I suppose the first thing that will go into all their tanks is a multi-site um, fulpit well it's not actually as effective as, as um, Bravo or Chlorotanilin it has to be put in there from a septory resistance point of view and it's unaffected by resistance and also it has to take it's it's put in there to try and reduce the pressure on this on the high risk chemistry where there's the SDHIs or or Revisol, the new triazole or Imitrec, that new mode of action as well. So like farmers will be conscious of that and after that then they will try and rotate the chemistry as best best as possible. But the the two new products will definitely um play a very, very important in this this season Septoria controlled because it definitely is a perfect storm with the last three weeks being a considerable amount of rain has fallen in fairness. Okay. And maybe we might end, Ivan, on, on a positive note, hopefully, if we can. How would you rate the yield prospects of winter wheat out there at the moment? Well, given, I suppose, from a positive perspective that um, the price of wheat has climbed considerably there in the last six weeks and with prices there between 180 and 200 green, uh, proposed for next harvest and in light of what's in the field there at the moment I would hope that um, my clients and all all Irish tillage growers out there with wheat, wheat or barley or, or, or oats in a field will be harvesting a good yield in the harvest of 2021. Thanks very much Ivan and thanks very much Stephen for your time. Best luck. Thank you Michael. So that's it for the Tillage Edge and my thanks to Ivan and Stephen for joining me today. There are a number of excellent webinars and upcoming events in the next few weeks, which you should pencil into your calendar. Chagos are running a series of webinars on grass weeds as part of the ECD project on June the 8th from Wexford with a focus on wild oats and canary grass. June the 22nd from the Northeast with a focus on black grass and brome. And July the 6th from Cork with a focus on sterile brome, black grass and rye grass. All of these events will start at 11.30 a.m. As I mentioned last week, we're in the process of planning the Oak Park Open Day at the moment, and that will take place on June the 29th, 30th and July the 1st. You can only attend by booking the Open Day first, and more details about this will be on Chagas website in the coming days. For all of these events, check out chagas.ie forward slash events. So finally, don't forget if you like this podcast, then recommend it to a friend or colleague. And as always, rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to chargis.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.